Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Desiring the Kingdom, a study of the books of First and Second Kings. Here's Pastor Nick. The king says, you have to come with him. And Elijah's like, all right, boom, another lightning strike. Kills these same, uh, in the same place, kills these next 50 guys. Now, of course, at this point, surely Ahaziah, he's going to stop resisting the Lord. He's going to humble himself before God because God is offering him, after all, mercy and grace. So what do you think Ahaziah did? Well, look at it in verse 13. Again, the king sent a captain of a third captain with 50 and his 50 men. But listen, this captain is smarter. He's actually learned something from the other two guys who died. And look what happens at the end of verse 13. The third captain of 50 went up, came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. So the third captain humbles himself before Elijah and asks for mercy and he receives it. Now, this is exactly what Ahaziah needs to do when it comes to God. If Ahaziah would humble himself before God, he would receive mercy in the same way. This is a principle that's repeated throughout the Bible, that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Well, verse 15, look at what happens. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down, do not be afraid of him, go down with him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. So now in verse 16, Elijah meets King Ahaziah and talks to him face to face and speaks with him. And then Ahaziah dies. So listen, we don't know. Did Ahaziah have like a deathbed conversion? It seems to be implied that he did not. And what this brings us to is the second part of our sentence for this week, which is this. The end of your life is inevitable, but the decisions you make today can have an impact for eternity. Ahaziah died. His life here on earth ended. But listen, the end of Ahaziah's life here on earth, that's, that was not the end of Ahaziah. Throughout the Bible, we see God wants us to understand this fact. The end of your life here on earth is not the end of you. At one point, your life here on earth will end, but you, your soul, who you are at your core, in your essence, will go on living. You know, this tent of your body, one day it will be wrapped up, it will be folded, it will be put away, it will cease to exist, but your soul will continue on living. Every one of us is going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is, where? God was so persistent with Ahaziah. Why? Because God cared about his soul. And Ahaziah's decision to ignore God's warnings, to reject God's offer, his invitation of mercy for his soul, these decisions, they impacted Ahaziah's destiny for all of eternity. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Now when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven. Well, let's just stop a minute and let's talk about that. Let's talk about heaven. Throughout the Bible, we're told that heaven and hell are real and not everyone goes to heaven. Heaven and hell are real and not everyone goes to heaven. In contrast to Ahab and Ahaziah, 
In, in chapter 2, we're now turning our attention to Elijah and the end of Elijah's life and Elijah's legacy that he leaves behind. God had told Elijah back in chapter 19 when he was in the desert that a man named Elisha would be his successor and carry on his ministry. Now we're, we're going to see that that day has come when Elijah is going to step aside and Elisha is going to succeed him in his ministry as prophet. It's a bit unfortunate that their names are so similar. So just stick with me, okay? Elijah with a J, he's the older prophet who's going away. Elisha, he's the younger prophet who's going to stay and take over. In verses 2 through 8, I'll summarize what happens for you. It's an interesting thing that happens. Elijah and Elisha are walking. Now, Elisha knows this is the day when Elijah is going to be caught up to heaven and he's going to take over for him. But Elijah does this weird thing with Elisha where he says, hey, let's go to Gilgal. So they go and then they get to Gilgal. And then Elijah says to him, all right, so you stay here in Gilgal and I'm going to go to Jericho. And Elisha's like, no, you're not. I'm coming with you. So he, he follows him to Jericho. Okay, then they get to Jericho, and he's like, Elijah, the older prophet, he's like, okay, now you stay here, and I'm going to go to the River Jordan. And you, you just hang out here. You don't have to come with me. And Elisha's like, no, I'm coming with you. What's going on here? It seems like he's trying to, like, shake him off or trying to lose him or something, right? What's he doing? Well, what Elijah, the older prophet, is doing is he's testing Elisha's commitment. You see, being a prophet was not a walk in the park. It was a hard life. It involved poverty, people wanting to kill you all the time. It was not an easy life to live. And Elisha needed to be truly committed, truly believed that this is what God called him to do and be in all in 100% if he was going to take this role. And so what Elijah's doing is he's giving Elisha a couple opportunities to get off the hook, right? To just exit and, and quit now before he gets into this if he's not really uh, committed to doing this. Well, Elisha shows he is committed and he goes with uh, Elijah all the way down to the Jordan River where this is going to take place. Now, in verse 7, it tells us that from Jericho there, which, by the way, is very close to the Jordan River, all these prophets, these other prophets, 50 other prophets, they walk out to the Jordan River just to watch from a distance what's going to happen. And in verse 8, it says, Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up, and he struck the water. And the water was parted on one side and to the other, so the two of them could cross over on dry ground. Verse 9, when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you, because I am before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Listen, Elisha not only was committed to taking over Elijah's ministry, but he desired that God would do even greater things through him than God had done through Elijah. That's a noble thing, guys. It's a noble thing to want God to work through your life. And here's what's really interesting. He says, give me a double portion. Over the next several chapters here in 2 Kings, you know, that's exactly what we're going to see. Elisha ends up doing exactly two times, twice the number of miracles that Elijah did during his life. Now in verse 11, it says that we read how chariots of fire came and they separated Elijah and Elisha down by the river. And Elijah was caught up to heaven in a whirlwind. He's one of only a handful of people in the Bible who never tasted death, but was taken straight up into heaven. And tells us in verses 12 and verse 13 that after Elijah was taken up, 
his cloak, also called his mantle that he wore, it remained there. It, it fell on the ground. And so Elisha, the younger prophet, he rips up his own clothes and he puts on the cloak or the mantle of Elijah. And that mantle, what it represents, it represents his authority and his anointing from God. And so Elisha officially succeeds Elijah as this key prophet. Okay, so that's the story. I want you now to just think with me for a few minutes. Contrast. Think about this contrast between Ahab and Elijah. Ahab and Elijah, here as we see the end of their lives. They, their lives both ended, but Elijah goes to heaven. Their lives both end. They both leave a legacy but Ahab's legacy is one of idolatry and rebellion against God, which leads to destruction for himself and for other people. Elijah, on the other hand, his legacy is one of serving God, speaking up against evil, of inviting people back into relationship with God and offering mercy and grace through, through this relationship with God. And I just want to encourage you as we think about the, the end of their lives and the legacies they left behind, I want you to ask yourself this question. Maybe write it down. Think about it throughout this week. What will be the legacy of your life? What will be the legacy of your life? When you're gone, what is going to live on past your life as a result of the ways that you've lived and the things that you've done? Maybe some of you, you look at Ahaziah, this man who had this opportunity to have this deathbed conversion, and you look at that and you say, yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's exactly what I'm going to do, right? You're like, so he lived like a total heathen, but then when he was almost dead, he repented. Sounds like a great plan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to live like a total heathen, like no breaks, right? Just doing it all. I'm going to do all the stuff now while I'm young. And then when I get old, I probably won't want to have fun anyway. I mean, what do old people like to do? So I'll just repent and, uh, and ask God to forgive my sins. And then I'll go to heaven and uh, it'll be awesome, right? Boom. Awesome plan. That'll work great. Now, listen, there are certainly people who turn to the Lord on their deathbed. But I want to tell you two reasons why that is not a good plan for your life. Number one, first of all, there is no guarantee that you will have a deathbed. The end of your life could happen suddenly and unexpectedly. It happens that way for many people. And you need to be ready because tomorrow is not guaranteed, not for you and not for me, not for anybody. So you need to be ready today. You need to get right with the Lord today. Receive his mercy and grace by putting your faith in Jesus. The second reason, though, is this. Not only is tomorrow not guaranteed for any of us, but the second reason why that's not a good idea is because it is possible to have a saved soul and a wasted life. Did you know that? You can have a saved soul. You can go to heaven and yet your life here on earth can be totally wasted. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. We have implemented procedures to ensure your safety as we gather for worship and studying God's Word. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings online, or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. Jesus told a parable about this. It's, it's 
called the parable of the dishonest steward. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. It's sometimes considered one of Jesus' more confusing parables, um, but hopefully I can bring some clarity to it for you today. Here's how the parable goes. Jesus says, once there was a rich man who had a manager. Now understand what, what this manager is. This manager would be kind of like a personal financial assistant or personal financial manager who, who you would hire if you had money or holdings or, or investments, things like that. You would hire this person to manage those investments for you. They would manage your portfolio and make sure that, you know, if you have clients, that all your clients are paying you. But this man... He was not doing a very good job as a manager. Jesus says that the rich man found out that this guy, his manager, was wasting a lot of money. So he calls up his manager and he says, listen, I heard that you're wasting all my money. You're fired. I want you out of the building by the end of the day. Pack up your desk. You're out of there. Be gone by the end of the day. So his financial manager, he realizes he's got only until the end of the day in his current position. He's just been fired. He's got to wrap up his business and get out of there right? So the question is, what's he going to do in this little window of time while he's still in this position? And so what does he do? Well, immediately he picks up the phone, right? Of course, they didn't have phones, but you know what I'm saying, right? He picks up the phone and he calls some of his master's clients who owe money. And he says, Bob, hey, hey, it's me. Hey, listen, uh, I got a deal for you, but it's only good today. So uh, uh, how much do you owe? You owe 100? All right, can you pay 50? Can you do it today? Yes, we got a deal. All right, call it done. Your debt is paid. Next guy. Hey, Jim, how much do you owe? You owe 100? All right, pay me 80 and we'll call it good. Now, why, why is he doing this? Well, why? Because people love getting big fat discounts. And you know what else people love? They love people who give them big fat discounts, right? And so later on, he's counting that, look, I've only in this job until the sun sets today, and then I'm out. I'm fired. I'm not, li not going to be in this job anymore. So I'm hoping that by giving these people these discounts in a couple of weeks, when I need a new job, when I need a place to live, I'm going to be able to call up these people and be like, hey, remember how I gave you that discount a few weeks ago? Well, now I need some help and maybe you can help me out, right? So he's trying to prepare for the inevitable future which is facing him by using the things that he has in his, as his resources in this short window of time right here and right now. And Jesus looks at that and he says, that guy was smart, and we can learn a lot from what that guy did on his last day at work when it comes to how we live our lives. Now, what do we learn from this parable? I'll quickly give you three things we learn from this parable. First thing we learn is that you are a steward. You are a steward. A steward is someone who has been entrusted with something that is not their own, but it is of great value. And Jesus says that is what you are. You are a steward. That's a picture of your life. Everything you have, it has been given to you by God, has been given to you for a short time, and one day you're going to give account to God of what you did with what he gave you. Now listen, guys, God has given you a lot of things. He's given you time. He's given you certain talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you money, material possessions. He's given you a mind, a body. He's given you a degree of influence in some circle. And you are to think of those things as things that you steward. You are a steward of those things. You have been entrusted by God with those things for a short time and for a purpose. 
for a purpose. Okay, so that's the first thing. You're a steward. The next thing is think about your next station. Think about your next station. Jesus is essentially saying, you know what your life is like? You're like a guy who just got fired from his job, and this is your last day at work. And when the sun goes down, you're no longer going to be employed there. So the question is, what are you going to do with the short window of time that you've got left? In this parable, Jesus is saying, let me tell you a story about a guy who understood that he didn't have much time left in his current position and how that understanding changed the way that he lived and acted in that short time that he had left. So think about your next station. That's what this guy did. And what's your next station? Guys, it's eternity. We're racing towards it. Be prepared. Think about your next station. Are you ready? today to meet your maker? H have you put down your yes? Have you received by faith the grace and the mercy of God that's been provided for you by Jesus Christ on the cross? The guy in this story, Jesus is saying, he is a picture of you. And he was smart because he used the time he had left in his current position to prepare for his next station. And that brings us to the third thing, which is, therefore, invest accordingly. How do you prepare for your next station? Well, not only by making sure that you're right with God, by embracing the gospel by faith and what Jesus did for you, but it means using your present resources for eternal good, using your present resources for eternal good. Now, think about this. How many of you guys, if one year ago, like in 2019, if you would have known that in 2020, we were going to go through all this stuff with the virus and everything that's been going on. How many of you would have made some different business decisions based on that, right? Like if it was me, I would have taken a loan for as much as I could possibly get. And I would have invested it all in a toilet paper and mask company. Like I would have uh, invested in bleach, right? Like all my money and my stock market broker, he'd be like, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to put all your money on toilet paper and bleach. And you're like, no, trust me on this one. This is going to be great. Well, you would be rich. If you knew then what you know now, you would, act you would have acted differently and it would have paid off. And what that means is this. Look, when it comes to your life, you do know what is coming. So invest accordingly. First Timothy chapter six, verse seven says this, you brought nothing into this world and you can take nothing out of it. So what should you do? Well, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, if, since you can't take anything with you, then send it ahead. Invest it now in ways that will pay dividends for all of eternity. In Luke 16, verse 9, at the end of that, that parable of the dishonest steward, Jesus concludes it by saying this, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Jesus says, look, all the things of this world, money, health, you know, relationships, whatever it is here in this world, they are all going to eventually end. They will eventually fail. But you can use those things. You can take those things. You can use them right now in such a way as to make an impact for all of eternity so that when you die, not only will you go to heaven, but when you get to heaven, there will be people there who are going to come up to you and they're going to shake your hand. They're going to hug you and they're going to say, you've never met me, but you know that mission trip that you helped support back in the day? Well, that's part of the reason I'm here. 
They're going to say, hey, you know that radio ministry that you contributed to, that you helped fund, that preached the gospel? That's part of the reason I'm here. You remember that conversation we had about Jesus in the break room at work, and you thought that none of it was getting through? Well, understand, God actually used that in a powerful way in my life that you never realized, and it's part of the reason I'm here today. Remember that children's ministry class that you taught, and you told me when I was little that Jesus loved me and what he did for me so I could be saved? That's part of the reason I'm here. Understand understand, friends, the decisions you make today can make an impact for eternity. And Jesus is calling us to love people and to use things, the things he's given us here on earth with the short time that you have left to create a legacy for your life and to make an impact for all of eternity. Listen, as we look at the lives of Ahab and Elijah, we see two very different legacies. One is a legacy of leading people away from God and to destruction. The other is a legacy of leading people to God where they can receive mercy and grace. And it makes us, it forces us to ask this question. What will the legacy of your life be? What will the legacy of your life be? The end of your life is inevitable. But the decisions you make today can make an impact for all of eternity. So begin with your destination in mind. Begin with your destination in mind. The ultimate example of this is found in Jesus. Jesus came to us in order to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. Not only have we fallen short of God's standards, you know what? None of us have even lived up to even our own standards of what we think is right and wrong and what other people should do, much less God's perfect standard. It should be very clear to us. We have fallen short in so many ways. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came. The Almighty God, he left his heavenly throne. He gave up a crown of glory and traded it for a crown of thorns. Why? He came and he walked among us. He became one of us. And he lived that perfect life that we should have lived but could not live. He lived it for us on our behalf. He died a sacrificial death in your place, on your behalf, to take the penalty for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be made right before God. And he defeated death so that when your earthly life is over, you could have life for eternity. And the question for you and me is this. In light of what Jesus has done, how should we respond? How should we respond? There are many right answers to that, guys. We should respond with joy. We should respond in hope. We should respond as we're about to by, by worshiping him. As you go through this week, you respond by trusting in him and looking to him. But listen, this hope that we have in Jesus, it sets us free. It sets us free to invest our earthly lives and resources in a way that makes an impact for all of eternity. Jesus did that for us, and we get to respond by doing that on a smaller level for the lives of other people. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, thank you that you gave your life for us. Lord, you did for us what we could not do, both in your life, in your death, Lord, in your, in your resurrection. And Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Lord, we think about Ahaziah, and we see this man, and he just keeps hardening his heart against you, Lord. I pray for anyone in here today who's struggling in that way. Perhaps they're, they're struggling with just the sense of not wanting to surrender their life to you. 
Lord, as we look at Ahaziah and we think, wow, why is he doing that? It doesn't make any sense. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would do that work of, of removing hard hearts and, Lord, replacing them with hearts of flesh. Lord, do that work of regeneration in people's hearts and lives who need it right now, we ask. And, Lord, as we, we think about what you did for us, Jesus, how you lived your life in a way that changed our eternal destiny, Lord, may we respond in that same way. May we leave a legacy of following you and, and leading other people to you. Lord, by your Spirit, enable us to do that, we ask. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live-streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.